further reading, we cover the career of actor and notorious Hellraiser Oliver Reed. On this episode, we'll be covering Nicholas Rogue's 1986 island adventure film, Castaway. I'm Leslie Hatton, and these are my co-hosts, Doug Tilly and Liam O'Donnell. Hi, everybody. Hello. Me, and there's Liam, and we're here to talk about Castaway. Leslie, what an exciting time to be watching a movie that most of the people listening cannot see. <laughs> oh, my God. So true. It's bizarre that a filmmaker as you know beloved as Nicholas Rogue has a film like this that is just really, really difficult to find. The version that we all watched, thankfully, was very watchable because it was recorded from an HD television broadcast. But this has not been released, I don't believe, in, on, on any digital format whatsoever. No. Do you think there's like a, a Tom Hanks cabal that's prevented this because he only wants people to find his movie Castaway. Yeah, well, is okay. Is the is the Tom Hanks Castaway two words? I yes. think so. Because yeah. it's got a double every, meaning, right? He's been cast away. Yeah. Every time mm. I googled this movie, I was like, "Here comes the Tom Hanks," and <laughs> fucking nothing. It was only this movie, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I realized, oh, I think it must be two words for the Tom Hanks one. Yes, it is. So, I mean, that kind of puts a little bit of a hole in the Tom Hanks destroying the ability for this movie to Damn be seen it. theory. But I still believe Chet Hanks had something something to do with it. I don't this know. This would not surprise me. Do we know at all why this movie is? I mean, it, it 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 the only thing I could think of in terms of issues that you normally see are soundtrack issues, and there is a Kate Bush song in the opening credits. But I can't imagine that would be enough to stop it from being distributed at all. It's very maybe it's just because it's not generally considered a classic or a beloved movie and people are, aren't just out there fighting for it but it's still you know nicholas rogue big name oliver reed really making kind of a comeback just and mm -hmm. lots of nudity that's almost enough for some people i mean I, the, the 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 island is beautiful so even for just like travelogue people i think it would be great to see it released yeah. digitally well i mean especially if nicholas rogue known for his visuals leave mm -hmm. you were saying something I don't imagine there being an audience for this if this is released on video. Like I, 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 I like that's ever stopped something from being released yeah, in a super so special true. edition. No, 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 no. This is why. This is what I'm saying. To me, the tone and vibe of this movie does not have because even some of the trashiest or weirdest stuff I've seen released on home video, I can imagine the obsessive people who would want it. And I think this is a movie that falls between things. It's, you know, there is a lot of nudity, but there's not a lot of, like, actual sex, if that's your vibe, right? Mm -hmm. People love Oliver Reed, but they want him, they want the devils. I don't know that this is the mm -hmm. vibe that people want from him. <laughs> and it's a canon picture, and canon already has such a deep folder of trash. Mm -hmm. This movie is a little bit on the artsy <laughs> side for canon. You know what I mean? Like, in reality... Mm -hmm. I would make the argument if someone said, what is the most nudity-filled, unsexy movie you've ever seen? This is pretty close, man. This is pretty high on the list. Like, if someone, you know, if you were, if you were, because uh, what Doug said is true, and I want to say, I, you know, I didn't scour Letterboxd, but I did read a few reviews. And in my experience, all the positive reviews was someone who was like, I grew up this with this movie and I love it. Or someone who had no idea what they were going to watch, watched it, were like, what the fuck is this shit? And that seemed to be the vibe of a lot of the mm. things that I read. And I, and I, and I, I want to say, like, look, if, if, you're a, if you are someone who is attracted to 
women, or I guess to Oliver Reed, however you want to go with it. And as a as a kid, this was the only access you had to nudity, and so you watched, you rented this movie, and you watched it at home, and were like, "Yeah, baby, I guess that's cool." But like as an adult, this is not a sexy movie, and the <laughs> idea that there's this there's audience that's just like. I really want to see like a lot of nudity, but also like a lot of starvation. Like, how do I get both those things wrapped <laughs> in a really pretty package? I just don't imagine that the, that it would have that huge an audience. Uh, let's be clear, though. I do think part of it is the is the like um, the fact that it doesn't have other things that would sell it. If it was scary, if it was maybe a little bit more gritty, you know, even what I mean? adventurous, really, because yeah. you know they they do battle the elements, but. You never feel too sympathetic because they've brought a lot of this on themselves. But I mean, yeah. it's uh, it is it. I think I liked it a lot more than you did, Liam. And we'll get into well, that. No, let's let's be clear. I'm not giving a review. I'm just saying when it comes to the sort of shit that I think people are willing to spend money on that they don't necessarily know what it is. I don't know that this has the hooks. Whereas some of the other stuff. You know, even though I think I don't know why this is coming out on video, there's probably some audience for something about it, and I don't know if that's true of this. I mean, vibe. I, I mean, I sort of agree and mostly disagree because I think just the Nicholas Rogue being the director is enough of a hook okay. for a okay. certain kind of audience. Mm. Simply because you know he is true. You know, I, I I've I've seen even his movie. I think Bad Timing was probably the movie he made before this, and I love that movie. I think it's really something with some per- problematic elements. But I mean, you know, he is a director that has, you know, several movies in the Criterion Collection and, you know, it had, is known as one of these masters of the medium. And it's just weird for one of his movies just not to be available. And also, also you know, there is, you know, a pretty large cult you would hope around Oliver Reed. We would hope anyway, because there is a podcast True. devoted to his life and career. I do have two quick questions though, before we get into the actual talking about the movie. And I'm directing this at you, Leslie, and you can tell me to, to, to we'll talk about it later if you want one there's a lot of female nudity in this there's also a little bit of male nudity in this uh, a lot of it is pretty well hidden did anyone uh pause to see if you could see oliver reed's tattoo on his penis while we were watching the movie because i did i was trying to see the tattoo oh man i feel like i missed an opportunity now i'm gonna go back and look so I mean, listeners, if you can, uh, I've I've never I don't know if there are any good photos of Oliver Reed's penis tattoo. If there is, please uh, send us a, a link on mm. social media of your choice. But the other question I wanted to ask both of you, which is, um, have you ever been on a desert island before, like an island, like a, like a remote island? No. I mean, I grew up on a remote island, but that doesn't really that's, count. Yeah. That's <laughs> not, that's <laughs> you know. Trick question. Yeah. No, no, because I I don't think you can count the the Long uh, Island. No, the the larger <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the larger <laughs> the larger islands, the larger islands in the Caribbean. Like I like I've been to islands where people have shot things like this and pretended right. that they were desert sure. islands, but they're not really. But have I been to an actual desert island where maybe if there is a population, there's still not much of an infrastructure? No, not really. Um, uh, when I did a, a brief sort of stint around the Caribbean when I was like 13 with my mom. Right. Uh, and we didn't go anywhere that didn't feel very populated. They're small islands. It's not like sure. they're yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. they're still very much populated. Whereas a desert island really should give you the feel of like... 
hey, if if you know, we couldn't really like figure out what to do here unless we know how to like survive on our own. You know, mm. that, that, that I do have one quick fo- follow up question for both of you, which is that you're in this situation by yourself or maybe with one other person. How well do you think you would do surviving? Starting Dead. with you, Leslie. Well, I guess we already got Liam's quick, quick answer. How, how well, you know, and say this specific island that they try to stay on. It seems like it's fairly well, lots of fish, you know, coconuts and all that shit. But uh, inconsistent weather. It depends on if I one lost my glasses because that, <laughs> that'd be the end. <laughs> Me too. Um, and honestly, if I got bitten by enough mosquitoes, I'd probably just kill myself. Wow! Because I'm so allergic to them. Right, right, of course. And it's like a couple bites, sure. But like five, ten, like I, I would be so miserable. I don't know that I could I could do that. But but truthfully, it's the glasses. Like I've, I don't know. I've never fished. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I might be able to figure it out. Yeah. But, um, you know, if I had at least like a sharp knife, I think that would help. Yeah. You know? I have, I don't have any survival skills or construction skills. Nor nor do I. So that I would have feels to like have it would be some a, basic, yeah, pretty, pretty big, you know, like major some rope, disadvantage. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea that anyway. Well, let's let's hold off because I want to talk about this movie <laughs> in the context of the movie itself. But I do get curious about these scenarios because this movie has a real hook to it, and I'm not talking about one of those fishing hooks that none of us know how to use. Oh I'm talking God. about just the idea of this real life scenario where a gentleman put an ad in a in a magazine to say. Come live with me on an island for a year as my wife. Yeah, that's what we should we should actually talk about the, what the movie's even about. Yeah, let's I mean, talk when about you look, it. When you look it up online, the the sentence that comes up is, and I don't even know where this came from if it was Wikipedia or IMDb, but it says, "Castaway is a fact based account of the experiences of a couple who spend a year as voluntary castaways on an isolated isle." I mean, that is dry. That is not <laughs> make me want to watch it. But then it goes on to say, bored of her humdrum life in London, Lucy Irvin, or I don't know if it's pronounced Irvin or Irvine. I would pronounce it Irvine, but I mean, I don't think it matters. Well, I would say Irvine because of University of California in Irvine, but it could be Irvin like Irvin Welsh, the Mm. writer. So she answers an advertisement placed by a middle-aged man seeking a female companion to spend a year on a desert island with him. The two develop an antagonistic relationship, but soon realize (laughs) that mutual dependence is the only recipe for survival. For survival, now it was adapted from the book by Lucy Irvin Irvine that she published in 1984. Even though the events took place, I believe in 81 to 82, hmm. and so their desert island was Twin Twin, which is between New Guinea and Australia, and I think Kingsland Gerald Kingsland who put the ad in the paper. His book was called The Islander and came out, I think, maybe 85, 86. Yeah, it was after so, her book for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty basic description. Um, I think the movie is more about the baggage that they bring. Like, no pun intended, honestly. <laughs> and I would assume that, you know, reading that, that would be obvious, you know, like, oh, God, you know, there's all this there's all this stuff subtext. And I mean, the subtext is is really text. But but the description that I just gave you, it doesn't really 
it doesn't really give the the vibe. First of all, because his ad was under slightly false pretenses. Mm-hmm. He said he was, I think, 35 plus or something, but really he's like <laughs> 50. So he, he shaved like a, at least a decade off of his age. And I think his intention, the real life Kingsland, was that he was hoping that this woman would fall in love with him. Yes. Because he just wanted to be married. Now, I have no knowledge if he was previously married. I think he was. I think he was married several times because the movie I know he had a bunch of kids got, when he passed Yeah, away. he has two yeah, kids, yeah. right. So I think he was married several times. Um, she was much younger. You know, she was like 23, 24, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And she definitely was not looking for a husband. But uh, as we know, the only way that they could actually live on this island was to get married. And I'm, I'm very curious as to whether those laws have changed, but I, I assume it would be kind of like moving to Canada as a permanent resident where you're moving under the spousal, um, the spousal part of the permanent residency requirement. So I, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be something like that. And somehow Kingsland had some ability to live there, but wasn't going to be able to live with her unless they were married, which yeah, I, mean, I, I, I was some weird. I, I, I read somewhere. I'm not really sure. I read somewhere it was more like a morality type thing, which is that they. Yeah, didn't, which I think that, is that the expectation. The expectation is that they were going to be screwing all the time. And if they did not, like the Australian government did not want them to be doing that unless they were married. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't see any particular reason outside of outside of the, the cultural ignorance aspect that you couldn't be able to shouldn't be able to go to a desert island and just live. But I mean, it's owned by Australia. They make the rules, I guess. Uh, yeah, Narrator. I wasn't, I wasn't... They were not, in fact, screwing all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so, Doug, I got the vibe that vibe from the movie as well but they specifically said something about a visa and my friend has Mm. recently moved to australia and because he's unwilling to pay the exorbitant amount for the partner visa that you would have to pay he just has to leave every three months Mm -hmm. and come back (laughs) so even though he has no other home he fully lives in australia uh luckily he's in two bands that tour so he's just been (laughs) scheduling his tours so he could leave and by the way, Australia has figured this out. And every time he comes back, they put him in a room for a few hours and grill him about it and yeah. are very mean to him about it. And he's like, well, make it cost less than $6,000 and I'll get the partner visa. But until then, I'm just going to come and go as I please. And uh, that's how it's going to be, y'all. Now, he does plan to get married. And once he gets wow. married, it will not be an issue anymore, apparently, or at least according to what he said. Uh, but like right now... It's like you either got to pay for the partner visa or you got to, you know, bug off every three months, basically. And uh, that's frustrating, it seems. I think that would get old pretty quick. There there are similar laws both in Canada and the United States. My brother, when he was courting a woman in the United States, was living there and had to leave every once in a while to come back to the Mm -hmm. Canada. And every time he went back, there was always a real, you know, huge kerfuffle Mm -hmm. and having to talk to people. And I mean, even Jill, when she was um, even though we were married. You know, she was no longer she was not a permanent resident here in Canada I remember for a number that. of years, and so there were you know major issues. You know, she wasn't here technically legally until she became that permanent resident. Theoretically, she was supposed to leave and come back, but of course, she knew that if she left, it might be real a real you know who wants to go through that hassle at the border, and so she just stayed until we got it all figured out. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it definitely hmm. wasn't six thousand dollars to apply for a permanent residency to Canada. I can tell you that. 
Yeah, yeah. It was, still, it was still pretty fucking expensive for us, though. To yeah, be it, yeah, I'm it sure, definitely. I'm sure, I'm oh sure. yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> not oh to mention God, all the figuring out the nuts. paperwork we actually had. Anyway, let, let's not get into that. Let's talk more about how Oliver Reed and uh, Amanda Donna Donahoe 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 mm-hmm. Oliver Reed and Amanda Donahoe had to play, you know, the the movie version of these real life people. Who decided that they wanted to live on an island free? What would be the motivation to live on an island? Now you mentioned so Gerald Kingsland, he wanted. He, I mean, we're guessing at his motivations a little bit. He probably I think wanted he to wanted find, a book. Yeah, he was he a journalist. To, and, yeah, right. And I can see how that would make for a good book. But he definitely was thinking, "Oh, I'll get something." You know, I'll get oh, a young, sure. beautiful woman who he's like auditioning. I mean, he talked to all these women to find the perfect one so he could just you know screw her whenever he wanted because he didn't realize that. People have their own, you know, brains and <laughs> ability to consider whether they want to have sex with an old, greasy old man. <laughs> I mean, in the in the in the context of the movie, the movie is not just about this um, this question about the the relationship and whether all relationships are a bit transactional. I think that's right. part of what the movie is, mm-hmm. but it's also, I think, explicitly about winter spring relationships right like i think it's very much a movie that's not just like oh and a detail is their difference in age i think the movie's fucking obsessed with their difference in age for sure and it's definitely made by men who've been in these sorts of relationships before not a desert island relationship but a relationship where one of them is facing death and wondering if they're gonna be able to (laughs) deal with it and the other one is just starting their life and uh it's it's probably the part of the movie besides just the fact that she's fully aware that he's a misogynist and still goes to the island with him anyway. Mm-hmm. The other part of the movie I found a bit alienating is how much their difference of in age is really a theme of the movie and an important part of their relationship. Just because like I don't get that, and in fact, though I'm not fifty or sixty or whatever this how old this character is supposed to be. Even as a 44-year-old, I'm like, young people are so exhausting. Why would you do that? You know, like, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of her point, though, so right? Yeah. That was kind of her point. It's like, like she, he, can't get, he can't keep up with it, right? She, he gets tired really easily. And her whole, like, the selling point was that he was going to be able to, you know, construct all these things. But, like, they're there for months, and he couldn't even make a shelter because well, he just wants to, to fuck be around. fair, <laughs> have you seen his ankles? Oh, I mean, gosh. Oh, so my I guess, God. I guess in real life, the sharks that, that they were eating. That was frightening. He was allergic to them and would break out into these boils and stuff. And that ended up, that was in real life, and that's represented in the movie as well. Oh and it's my just like, God. well, you know what? Uh, that's the first hurdle that would send me back to Australia. <laughs> Well, and aren't there plenty of islands that have like wildlife that you could kill and eat? You know what I mean? Like, like you you mm-hmm. pick the one island in which the only animal you can consume is fish. Like, I couldn't do that anyway. I have an allergy to fish, but like, oh, God. there's got to be islands that have like at least rodents or something else. You yeah. can- I mean, I, I think it's less that because I mean, you're exactly right, Liam. I'm sure there were the, uh, though they said that they were having trouble finding the island anyway. But you think you'd do a test run, right? Just do it for exactly. A week. Make sure that you aren't going to die if you eat the fucking beans or whatever which she eats later in the movie and and find out you know just to make sure that there isn't something that is going to uh really easily kill you and then make that you know you could even stay afterwards but just do it as a test but yeah i guess he didn't uh, think that through not they thinking things Wikipedia? through was kind of a major one <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah exactly but not thinking things through was kind of one of the major themes of the movie as well right the, they were not prepared they were not even close no. to being prepared well i do wonder too if there's an inherent I don't think the film hammers hammers this home too hard, but there is a bit of a suggestion of 
society and how society functions. And, you know, in London or wherever, in, in, in merry old England, when they're meeting each other and they're together, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem quite as useless, right? No, There's exactly. so much infrastructure no. in life to make him seem useful. In a way, he probably seems more industrious and more aware and all the things that are attractive about older men in a society. But you get to the island, you don't got no clothes on, you need to build yeah. a shelter. Suddenly my man is useless. And I and I do think, you know, part of that is the intense pain that he's yeah. in from eating sure, these fucking certainly. sharks. Uh part of it is just like he is in theory there to write this book, but he doesn't really seem interested in exploring anything about he just gets there and just fucks around. And I wonder mm-hmm. if the suggestion is that like without a structure for him, he doesn't know how to live his life. Whereas she's more inclined to be like, hey, let's fish. Let's clean this stuff. Let's let's make know, our lives easier going forward because we got to be here for a year. Yeah. I will say, Liam, that that's a good point that you make, which is one of the things that they've kind of excised from the real life thing is he doesn't seem to be a writer at all in this. There's no indication that he's coming here to do a book, though it shows her writing. You know, she has her... Exactly. There is, there, there is a typewriter. No, no, no. There is an indication. The reason she marries him is because he's he can't get the advance. Oh, that's right. Advance. Yeah, so oh, but that's the I only totally suggestion. I totally missed that. But that's the only suggestion. The way the movie ends... He's not going to write a book. He's just going to work on engines. Yeah, he's going to stay there forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah, I think this is one of the places where the movie starts in reality. I think very clearly the movie probably starts in reality, though it's not clear. One of the details in the movie that's very important is that they start their relationship before they go. I mean, it's so crucial. Yeah. And I guess that's based in reality that they actually had sex before mm-hmm. they went to the island. But okay. it is, it is very odd to think about right because it becomes such a power play based on sex once they're Doug, on the island if this wasn't based on a book the first thing i would have said when we started talking about this movie is it's not believable that she goes with him but <laughs> we know that it is believable because she did it in real life yeah but like if someone said to me my cousin my aunt some woman i know did this thing i'd be like no that's not real because it's like why would you go i mean there is What's some the indication point? and leslie maybe you know more about this than i do i mean she was in competition with some other women to do this, and this probably sealed the deal. I'm not saying that, look, everything is transactional in all of our lives, and of I'm course. not saying that there's anything negative about her doing it in any way, but I just mean it could have been a contributing factor, and the fact that he did seem a little more charming and competent before they got to the fucking sure. island. I mean, to be fair, though, this is one of the criticisms between the book and the movie, or maybe not even criticisms, because I think it's, it is very common that people who love the book don't like the movie. Like, sure. that seems to be a theme. But I think more often it's just one of the acknowledged differences is that this is a movie about transactional relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that people who love the book would feel that that's what the book is about. Right. Maybe there's a a, point. Maybe there's a suggestion. And again, we haven't read the book. So sorry, y'all. We didn't read the book. My bad. But uh, (laughs) but there is a suggestion from people who love the book and and from the author that that's not really as important in what actually happened. That, right. like, yes, there was a transactional aspect, but really the story seems to be more about negotiating their relationship and figuring mm. out, and that there's a lot more details about their survival. A constant theme in this movie is their survival. Not a lot of details. Yeah. Uh, right. And there's a lot of, like... So one of the things I wanted to, to talk about, which I don't know, I guess we're kind of going all over the place here. This feels very. <laughs> well, I would like I would like to address the question that Doug asked. Which, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. You sorry. know, from from 
from Lucy's perspective, you know, she's young and she's in her, you know, I'm going to date around. I'm going to have casual sex. There's no strings. There's no, you know, and that's totally understandable. And I think that when she slept with him, she was thinking, oh, he's not going to take this seriously. And bizarrely, he did. Mm. I I feel like there's this subtext that he thought, oh, she slept with me. Well, that's it. That's a commitment, which I don't know that she really thought that that would be the situation. Now, I'm speaking purely of the film, not talking about the book right, at all. Yes. Yeah. Which is really and, all we can really speak. Yeah. Well, and, and so and to be fair, she is very committed to the island, right? Like, I think yes. there is a, a commitment he senses from her that maybe he mistakes for a commitment to him. I agree. But that's not what she's committed to. She's committed no. to this experience. And while yeah, exactly. she's willing, and I really got a sense, maybe you guys can tell me what you think. I really got a sense from the movie, right? That she gets the island, and part of the reason why the nature of their relationship changes so dramatically is because she's so fucking bummed on it. He's so uninspiring once they get there. Mm -hmm. That, like, they get to the island, and all he wants to do is fuck off and not do anything. That, like, why would she... She loses that that sense of attraction to what inspired her is gone because he's no longer inspiring. They get there, and he's just like, I don't know. Uh, here's a story about my childhood. Like, what? Build a hut, yeah. man. What the? What the heck? And like, let me, me show you how to tango. Yeah, and, and, and don't be wrong. I want to be really clear here. I could not build a hut. I couldn't build a hut with instructions. Same. Like, I can't. I'm not saying I would be better at this, but like, it really doesn't just feel like he's bad at this. It feels like he doesn't even try. And I think right. that's he hasn't a even different. Thought it through. Yeah, yeah, that's a different experience than. Oops, we got here, and it turns out I'm not as much of a survivalist as I thought. It's more like I don't know. I got an island. What else do you want from me? It's like there's still a lot of stuff yeah. we gotta do here. Well, I did read. I did read that she uh, that Lucy had said, or I, I don't know if she said this or this was what was someone said about her an observation that I think the fact that they had to get married because when you see in the film. She doesn't want to get married at age nope, twenty-four. No, yeah, 25. not at all, not at all. And she's she's destroyed by it. Even yeah, she's very yeah, upset by and it. and I and I don't blame her because you don't want to be married to somebody just to go to an island, like that's a that's a big thing, and so you know the fact that she had to marry him it feels forced, and mm-hmm. I think speaking as a person who has been married and is no longer married, I think despite your best efforts you do as a woman find yourself in a mental space that you would not think you would be in just because you got married and don't know how to explain it but I feel like as a young person feeling like you were forced to get married now I was not forced to get married I got married because I wanted to get married but there is this weird thing that happens where it's like oh I'm married now. There's expectations of me. Even if bef- even if you think those expectations are dumb and you don't agree with them, I feel like especially as someone that young, she was not expecting like, oh, I feel guilty, which she talks about a lot in the film. She feels guilty that she's so upset 
and she feels guilty that she's not in love with Kingsland and doesn't want to have sex with him. So again, I think despite the fact that she comes across as this sort of free thinking, um, free woman, you know, with some feminist ideals, there's that societal expectation. That's the undercurrent when once you, once you sign that paper, it's like, Oh, now this is what's expected. And I think she couldn't, she couldn't fight against that successfully. And I think I, that's part of the the sort of undercurrent of the the strain. I think it's, it's never spoken. I, I think that also that the, the marriage pulls them together in a way that makes it harder for her to part from it. You know, meaning that maybe yeah. she would have left the island halfway through if they didn't have any other connection. You know, I think about it. I have a little bit of a unique insight into this because I got married when I didn't want to. Uh, and, and this is no surprise to Jill. We got married because we had been dating you know distance wise in two different countries for a year and we wanted to be able to see if we could do something with our uh, uh, with our relationship and the only way to make that happen would be for one of us to move to that country and the only way to make that happen would be to get married so we got married at a time when we were not prepared to but but just because our relationship wouldn't be able to work otherwise and what we discovered especially those first couple of years which were very very difficult we probably would not have stayed together. We probably would have broken up in those first couple of years if we weren't married. But being married, it was just that extra thing. You know, we felt yeah. societal pressure, but also internal pressure yeah. to, you know, to try harder, to try to make things work in ways that probably we wouldn't have otherwise. And I think there's an element of that that takes place in the movie. I also think that part of the reason that she is turned off by him is not him necessarily. It's the fact that he it's the fact that he is has so little inspiration like liam was saying right yeah when he when later on in the movie he starts to get inspired you know it isn't she isn't just pity screwing him it's she finds him more attractive when he's more industrious oh, because that's how 100%. he presented himself as ahead of time so you know there is that element of oh he's old and and you know <laughs> she's young and beautiful and stuff like that but sh- they could be something he just isn't who he presented himself as and, and the person that he really is, really wants to be, who he kind of finds himself to a certain extent at the end of the movie, or at least it seems that way, that's not a person that she would be able to be married to and have a real relationship with, but she still is happy for him. And it this movie ends on kind of a whimsical, happy note, which is not where I thought well, this is going to end when you watch about 90% of the movie. I read a description of the movie that said that the film was kind of like an entire marriage in a year. Mm. So all the ups and downs that come with being married to somebody for, you know, like 10, 20, 30, 40 years are compressed into a year. It's like the honeymoon period. It's like the honeymoon period happened before they even got to the island, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really good analysis. Hmm. And I read it in more than one place. I think the first place I read it was in an article in that uh, Nicholas Rogue book, but then it, it ended up in a, Time out interview with Rogue, where mm. the writer actually mentioned that, and I don't know which came first, but I thought that was a really good description of the feel of the movie and the tone of the movie because there is a lot of up and down and you know moving forward and then oh this thing happens and now I'm upset again. I was thinking about that quote. I can't remember where I saw it, and maybe it's actually in the notes, but it's from Lucy Irvine, not not from the actress or the, or the character in the movie. But she says that, you know, she fell in love with the island and he fell in love with the idea of being oh, in love with so, her. Oh, so, so great. Yeah, I read that But I too. don't know if, like, I don't know if the movie reflects that. 
right? Because no, I don't think, no, it, I don't, it, I don't think it does, right? I mean, you do get a sense that she really likes the island, but you know, they're, they're they are ready to leave. But I mean, I know she, they talk a little bit about maybe we should stay here, but like, I mean, they they gotta leave that island. They can't survive on them. Like they can survive with all this help, but at that point, you might as well be living somewhere where you would be, you know, content and happy and not struggling with monsoons all the time. It's just it's it, it doesn't seem like that part is reflected as much in the movie. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that one of the things I'm sh- I, I kind of struggled with with the movie was I think that there's an extent to which I'm meant to have sympathy for both of these folks and see the kind of tragedy of the ways that they're kind of not connecting, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but just continually feel. And again, I love him. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. But over and over again in this movie, I'm thinking, this dude fucking sucks. Like, I'm so... And it's, oh, God. And it's, and it's not I some know. sort of, like, industrious, like, if I was there, I'd fish. No, I'd suck at this. Everything he sucks at, I would suck at. It's not like I'm saying I'd be a better island person than than this than Gerald. It's his attitude though, right? His it's, attitude it's his, fucking it's his, sucks. It's his attitude. It's you know, there's a there's a quote that Leslie that you included where uh, uh you know Oliver Reed said he kind of identifies with the character because the character has these sort of lapses into whimsy and even yeah. uh, uh, almost insanity and and that's how Reed felt about himself. And I'm like, bro, if you act like this, dude, then I would never have wanted to hang out with you. Because in my mind, I just picture the actor, Oliver Reed, who, yes, has moments of insanity on screen, but it's very inspiring a lot of time and, and funny. Uh, and this dude is not funny or charming. Almost everything he does sucks. He's never interesting. His stories are stupid. Whenever he <laughs> does little silly, goofy things, is at the worst fucking time. <laughs> like everything. What about, about him the is disappearing bad. and reappearing egg gag? <laughs> it's oh terrible. my god! And I knew. I actually, I, knew. I actually like the egg gag. Get the I, look, I like the gag where he, where he it was. Uh, he had the money on the string, keeping it from the kids. That to me, I was like, well, okay. yeah, but oh that's because torturing that a great. kid is great. But, yeah, torturing a but, kid is great. Right. Uh, but I think that like the moment I knew, guys, when I was like, no, 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 this is not going to be an even narrative for me. It's actually way before they got to the island when he's eating that fucking spaghetti. <laughs> that is oh one of the God. most upsetting parts of the movie when he's shoveling that gross pasta into his mouth and he's and like, the, that's good like here. Rah, 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 rah. And he's, he's just <laughs> like, bro, I don't, I mean, I get it that he's not meant to be posh, right? Like he's meant to be maybe not quite totally working class either, but he's sort of like a middle whatever sort of yeah. dude. And, uh, he lacks any sort of class or manners in a way that is just very focused on himself. And again, it's a a very British thing, but I just think you don't act like that in England unless you really don't consider other people. You know what I mean? And it's just everything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And everything about it just sort of struck me as like, wait, I'm supposed to like this guy. And then I read people's (laughs) reviews and there were definitely people who felt the same as me, but there are a lot of people who are like, well, neither one of these characters are very likable. And the movie's about how these very unlikable people have trouble getting along. And I'm like, I don't know. She's not that bad. I don't really have a problem with her as a character. Like, you know what those people are thinking? They're thinking, well, Oliver Reed is a boorish, you know, garbage. I mean, his character is like a piece of shit. Yeah. And she won't have sex with him. So they're both kind of equal in terms of, right? You know what they're saying. You know what the subtext is the, there. The moment that he acts like she's really doing him wrong. That was, that was what I thought. Oh, no, there's no coming back from this. I just feel like, like 
yes, I do think later on when they kind of reconnect a little bit, I think that's earned by the movie. However, if they had at any time from the moment he first started whining about it till when he starts to get his shit together, if at any moment she had sort of given in to his whining, I would have been like, this is a step too far. I hate this yeah. movie. The fact that she <laughs> God, holds that's up, so true. The, but there is a thing I wanted to talk about. We haven't really touched about it, but I think it's worth talking about. So um, as we said, there's a good bit of nudity in this movie. I think the camera very much loves her and it is inclined to more make him seem ridiculous at times, but it doesn't fully discredit him. Like it knows there are some people watching who still are into him as a, as a figure. Right. But at a certain point, they are both very malnutri- malnourished. Oh, yep. my God. And the, and the movie has this conceit where they're like, look, <laughs> you didn't come to this movie to see either one of these people not look their best. So they're going to continue to look their best. But we're going to use body doubles for when oh, someone yeah. is actually yep. looking at their body and seeing how actually malnourished they are. And this was an artistic choice that I thought was stupid. And I don't yep. know how y'all felt about it, but it was oh, like... Oh, really? I really thought it was so... Just like, come on, y'all. We know you want to see these hot people and you don't want to see what they actually look like. And I just thought it was weird. I just, it felt weird to me. And I don't know. What, what did you think about I, it? I know. Let me just, I'm just going to have a quick thought on this, which is I think it works for her sometimes, like when she's looking in the mirror, and particularly yeah. when she's thinking about her own sexuality in regards to those sailors. Sure. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. yes. Like, it works. It kind of works because they're just like flashes of her stomach and things yes. like that. But the idea of fucking Oliver Reed laying down right and it's like they have to use the body double because he looks exactly the same a year in as he did when they first arrived <laughs> even though they're supposed to be starving to death yeah i mean it to me i was like <laughs> well i guess what are they gonna do they're not gonna pull a tom hanks and take six months off of, of filming so he could lose some weight just wasn't gonna happen but i mean i wonder like that must have been a decision made so early, right? It's like, well, how are we going to make them look like they're starving? Well, I guess we'll find some really thin people and just put them on the screen every once in a while. <laughs> that scene in the tent where they're lying down and it's like, you know, you see their chests. Yeah, yeah. And that was just, that was upsetting. Like it got to me and I knew it wasn't really him, but I thought, I thought it was really well done. And I, and I think that's a very rogue thing to do. Like to kind of insert that in a way that kind of comes out of nowhere, because the first time you see her stomach, like even before she looks in the mirror, it's when one of the younger Australian guys that shows up looks at her and there's like a cut to her abdomen and it's so fast and it's like really distorted looking. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like it's like this weird. It's like the face in the exorcist, like just coming out of nowhere. And it's not commented on. It's just there. And I thought that was so effective. I think I, I think really it's, I think it's effective that. at first, but then as they go on to it, it becomes less effective as it goes. And it also it feels like Liam, I think, was getting at it. It kind of feels like a cheat because it's just like, instead of showing, right. you know, emaciated bodies, which is what you would see in this case, let's right. see perky tits. I mean, that's what the movie is really right. about at that point. I mean, yeah, that's my issue is that, again... And it's one of the central conflicts for me with this movie, besides just, you know, some of the things we've kind of mentioned a teeny bit. But one of the things I found myself kind of wrestling with is this idea of, like, people are going to come see this movie because of how attractive this 
uh, mm. this you know uh, female actor is and sort of what she brings. And again, I'm not discounting Oliver Reed. I'm sure there were people who came for him too, but she really is immediately naked as soon as they can justify her. Oh, I know. Her She's like off, throwing a shirt off right in a away. very in a very honestly canon films way more than <laughs> than you would expect. Uh, you know, she's the, a little more groomed after six months than you probably would expect a person to be. Yeah, in yeah, and even like even the part where they're fishing and she's in the water and the camera's like, yeah, yeah. let's go, go in the water, the, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go in the water. It's so exploitative. And then to be like, actually, guys, we're just putting this on to keep you here. In reality, they look like they're dying. Yes. It's just, it's like, uh, and and I know part of this bias is because of a movie that we brought up humorously previously, but I think we can bring up a little seriously here, which is like. You know, they're no Tom Hanks, right? Like Tom Hanks lost weight. And I don't need them to fully body transform for this movie. And I don't think Oliver Reed would, no matter how much money they paid him, be willing to do that at at the time. (laughs) I don't think that was in the cards. Wait, does beer have calories? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. At any time. You know what I mean? But like, but but the idea that like we want the shock value of this visual because they could have just, I don't know, had these people act. And just have mm. them say like, oh, man, you're looking whatever. And like then have them hold their bodies in a way that maybe created the illusion of it or something. But it's like it felt at first like, ooh, that's intense. OK. But then after a while, I just thought, so you want the shock of how they're actually near death. But you also want a certain segment of the audience to be tantalized. And I think having your cake and eating it, too, for this thing it just felt cheap to me. It just it That's struck me as, as cheap. Point. I just kind of thought you can't have both. Like, they want to have both, right? They want the people who are actually yeah. fascinated at seeing these people look like they're starving to death. But then also the people who are like, yeah, but ooh, sexy. And I'm like, I don't need it to be both, really. You know, yeah. it just, it felt, that part felt a little weird. Not in a way like I was, a, that could come across like I was offended. I wasn't offended. It just felt like a artistic choice that I thought didn't entirely work. But it wasn't so distracting that I was like, oh, now I hate this movie. But I, I it was one of a number of small things I felt conflicted about watching the movie. The other one, of course, being like, Here's this young woman, and she's making this choice to go to the island, and this dude sucks so bad. And <laughs> at, no, at no point, like, it's like, I mean, I straight up read a review where a guy was like, she knew he was a misogynist before she left, so I'm not oh, really sure God what the sake. issue is. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I, anyway, the, the, the very idea of how much his character, like this dude, again, who knows what Gerald was actually like, but assuming he was anything like the movie version, this dude is the worst. And I think he was like the movie version. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. So this dude fucking sucks. And so I wish the movie had been a little bit more of like, okay, why would you even go anywhere with this jerk off? Because he's yeah. like, really like, and you know, not that he doesn't, I'm okay with like, really nailing his he has some really outdated ideas he speaks in a way that's offensive he threatens her a number of times to the extent where she feels threatened like this is not just he's a jerk like this is some real deep-seated stuff and then of course there is a bit of a redemption arc where he starts to like do some work and find meaning again i'm actually okay with a bad dude finding a way to be less shitty but i'd like the movie to at least acknowledge what a scum fuck he is, you know, as well as that, like that I'm into that level of nuance, but the movie almost like it tends to treat the way he acts more as like, again, he's boorish and like, don't get me wrong. I do think he should go to jail for how he ate that spaghetti, but I do think his misogyny (laughs) is a much bigger problem than that. He also like 
is kind of a goofball and a little bit gross. Like that doesn't bother me as much, even though I don't find it endearing. I wanted the movie at least to have one conversation when they're yelling at each other. That's like, also you treat women like shit. And I don't think it was as present in the movie as I kind of wanted it to be. Not that it needs to resolve that issue, but I would like a little bit more acknowledgement of it. If, if, If there was time for it, which I think there was time for it. Well, she does say at one point, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, You're the, uh, she, guide us. <laughs> she does say at one point, like, because he says, like, oh, what do you think about? And, uh, or she asks, I can't remember. Oh, that's Somebody right. asks. Yeah, she and, asks him, what does he think the, about when he's just doing yeah, stuff on the island? Yeah, yeah, and they get into an argument because he's like, I don't think about anything. And, like, oh, man, I hate to sound like a cliche, but God, that was such a, like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, like, type <laughs> of thing because I feel like that is such a thing where women are like, what are you thinking? And the guy's like, I don't know. The wall eating cereal. And they're like, you don't think about anything important. As, yeah, that is as, like as, as a person with ADHD, I oh, cannot relate my. to that any less. Like, I, I wish I could turn my brain off. I don't know when when other dudes say that I go. You must be neurotypical, my friend, because I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. And yeah. while I, I do not have ADHD, I do have intense anxiety. So sure. I'm always yes, thinking yes, about, yes. I mean, if I was on a desert island and I had to think about, well, I'm thinking right now about how we need to survive tomorrow and yes. the ways that we're going to get to that survival, yes. maybe a month from now, how we're going to deal with it. Like, of course you'd be, th- but I mean, legitimately, he does not seem to be thinking about those things. That's frightening. Certain, certain moments of lucidity where he's like, you know, growing the plants and stuff like that. But like, they're so ridiculously unprepared like that conversation right near the beginning god. of their timeline where he didn't bring the iodine for the oh for my the god stuff. Oh and it's my just like god. it's so symbolic of oh what you're gonna get mad at me now i already told you i forgot the thing that's my oliver reed by the way and, uh. and, and and she's like yeah you really fucked up you might have killed us on this <laughs> island and, and what what great like uh um what a great punishment that he ends up having all these seeping wounds from months oh It was really his problem that he did. Well, and I think I, I want to go back to that moment that that you brought up, uh, Leslie, about the, their communication, because this is where I think the movie could push that issue into a deeper exploration of their differences yeah. and whatever, whatever. And instead, we get a gag where he's reading a book about how to communicate better. And when I first In saw- In secret. It's like I, he doesn't want her to know sh- that he, that he's reading it. When I saw he looks him, around. When I saw him reading that book, I thought, okay, if this becomes a theme of the movie, this isn't what I expected, but I could see that, that maybe the issue here is he doesn't know how to communicate. He's from a different generation, all that stuff. But the movie just shows you that, and then it goes away, which makes it yeah. literally a gag. I don't need yeah. that fucking gag, actually. I think that gag doesn't work. If you want to make it a larger part of the movie, and again, to be clear with people, it's not like, well, they couldn't talk enough because there was all these exciting set pieces. All they do is talk and yell and mm. fish and dig pits and yell and fish. And you know what I mean? Like, all they're doing is chatting. So, like, let's have some less chatting about him looking at the various housemates' underwear and a little more chatting about how, you know, she feels like he doesn't know how to talk about anything, which makes living on a desert island pretty fucking difficult. And that's, like, part of the movie, but it's not, like, explored directly. And for me, I just was like, it, it just felt like his attitude and culture was criticized to the extent of 
he's an old fuddy-duddy, which is like yeah. not the problem, I don't think. She does make a Stop statement about that he's kind of hiding who he is, though, right? Doesn't she say mm-hmm. later that it's like he's almost like he's playing a character yeah. and he's pretending to be someone? Yeah. He's yeah. not. I think that all plays into it as well. But it's just like, you know, didn't one of the uh, Australian sailor guys say later, it's like, by the time you're here, like for this long, there's no secrets, right? He even says, like, I couldn't have someone out in the world like this. I'd have to kill them because they yeah. know so much yeah. about me. Yeah. But, like, it takes him so long to reveal anything about who he is. And when he does start to reveal who he is, it just makes him worse and worse. I think we're supposed to come away from this movie by the end thinking, oh, he's such a charming, cool guy. And he really learned something there. But no, boy, he didn't. All, all my brain was thinking. I mean, he may have learned something, but all my brain was thinking about is when he was threatening, threatening to punch her in the face when oh she would do God. anything that fucking yeah. upset him. Yeah, that's. I mean, it just it's hard to come back from him being such a brutish dickhead, right? Well, you know, you know yeah. what I couldn't help but think about because I'm I'm so always thinking in these contexts that this island was their attempt to escape from capitalism, and he couldn't help but start a motor fixing business. <laughs> oh my god! True. Well, that, she like, calls him out on it. She's yeah. like, yep. I didn't come here to be a mechanic's wife. And yeah. I was like, ooh, burn. Like, it was but, one of the yeah, most insightful parts so of the movie. true. He Agreed. couldn't live yeah. without commerce. The, the whole yeah. point of being so on the amazing. island with one other person is fuck commerce, fuck the community, fuck the, the, the you know, economics. We're just going to fend for ourselves. And then, and then he ends up, not, that's not he what they even, do. It's no, like, he couldn't even do yeah. that. The funny thing is, of course, it was his idea to get away from people, but it was yes, the people yes. that made him, you know, made him basically sexually desirable again is yeah. the reconnection with people. Yeah, it re- that that moment is so strange. I have to say my favorite part about it is that little moment where he turns on the generator and the light bulb comes on and she stops her fighting with him for a second just to be in awe of the fact that there's a light bulb, which I oh, wish I the movie that. had a few more moments of that, right? Just the yeah. the ingenuity leading to people being like, oh shit, this is why I got the guy here. He's supposed to be able to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because it also, I mean, it was like that, again, that thing of like, honey, light's broken can you fix it oh my god you're so great like i mean there's definitely that undercurrent of it which you know i i agree i wish that there had been more of that and like what you said liam i agree totally like i i really like the movie a lot but yeah there should have been way more of that stuff and i think that's kind of a general criticism of the movie because especially for somebody like rogue who's known for having such attention to detail and so much going on in his movies that it feels like a wasted opportunity. Like, like he just didn't push it hard enough. And I don't know why, like, I, I, I don't understand, you know, like the, especially the thing about the book. In fact, in the, in the book about rowing, when they talk about her reading a book and him reading a book, the writer says, Oh, that was such a great opportunity to really explore that. But they, but he does nothing with it. Yeah, and it's I a agree. shame. Well, and I think that um, I think the movie is as interested. Like the mo- maybe I, this is my reading of it. It feels to me like whenever Oliver Reed brings up sex, it's whining. It doesn't feel mm. legitimate. And, no, and, yeah, and maybe that's how the movie feels about it too. Only it's one of the most consistent themes. Like there really are only two sort of rotating themes. His inability to actually do anything useful for most of the movie. (laughs) 
and how obsessed he is with the fact that she doesn't sleep with him anymore and how that is so important to their life together on the island and how he can't let go yeah. of that anxiety. Now, could you spin that into this question of how men view women as receptacles of sex and all this kind of like more almost like mm-hmm. feminist commentary about that? I think a different script and a different yeah. director could do that. But this movie is like, there's a lot of themes. There's a lot of things we want to touch on. But clearly, the most important thing is how they're not fucking. And I'm like, I think that's the least interesting part of what's happening <laughs> right oh now. Oh, my God. I agree completely. And I was constantly surprised at how much that was a thing. And I kept, and, you know, maybe that's a part of the book. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that was a real issue for her. But it doesn't mean that that needs to be in the movie. It also maybe kind that's of, something in a book that works, but in a movie it does not work. I also wonder how much of that comes from the casting of Oliver Reed because it yeah. does feel very reflective of the kind of attitude he yeah. has presented in his public appearances. That part where he, like they're early on the island, he's like, "I'm Randy." It's just like that isn't the character. That's fucking Oliver Reed. Oh my that. god, I, mean, I know. It's a little hard sometimes to separate the character, even with the, the his dyed hair and everything. Like, this is a great performance, but it's also a role that is so tailor-made for him that it almost it, doesn't oh, feel well, like it was. Yeah, I, I mean, don't it really was. I think anybody else was considered. Yeah. And I don't know whose decision it was to do the red hair, because that's just really upsetting. I looked it up, <laughs> and Kingsland actually has red hair. Yeah. Or did in real life. And maybe Reed thought, okay, if I do the red hair... I don't know why he did it, but it looks so bad. And I would have preferred him to just have, you know, his regular hair because it's it's really it's quite upsetting. It must have <laughs> been such like... a pain in the ass to do for the movie just to oh because right because he has to keep growing it out longer. I mean, it must have just made things way more difficult. Oh, yeah, they were committed just, to him being a redhead. It does not look good. It does not look good. <laughs> so I, I and you know I don't I don't know. I do like that he walks around in her slip, which I think is hilarious. And I think it's like a really funny visual theme of, you know, oh, he's a macho dick, but, you know, he's walking around in her slip. No problem there. Okay. Well, he's put on her makeup, too. That's kind of funny. Oh, that scene's amazing. Yeah. I do think the character starts to slip, though, because... One of the things that really struck me before they went to the island is that while he's definitely like a, you know, an Oliver Reed dude in some ways, mm-hmm. he's a bit more mm, uh, circumspect than Oliver Reed usually is. Like if I was gonna if I was gonna say, you know, what kind of Oliver Reed are we seeing here? This is not our buddy from the Devils, right? That's not who this is. This is the guy from Venom. The guy who's afraid of of uh, of Klaus Kinski the whole movie, even though you're looking at him going like you could beat the shit out of that dude, but he's just kind of like humble, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of pulled back, and that's who that he is as the character. But on the island, after a while, he really starts to get a lot more blustery in a way that does feel more Oliver Reedy in other ways. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, that on he, a talk show, it's like the talk show Oliver Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really yeah, strange to uh, me because is the suggestion that Gerald 
in real life slowly got louder and more demanding or is it just you know after months of shooting oliver reed is just like i'm not playing this this wussy guy anymore i'm just gonna be myself i don't know (laughs) but i do think there's a shift there's a shift in the character and I don't want to say that as if it's a criticism. It might be a decision they made that that yeah. just when it's just the two of them on this island, he becomes again not a totally different person. I don't want to overstate it, but he certainly his vibe is a lot different than it is uh, before they go. Because while he is a bit of a misogynist before they go, he's also a bit quiet, and he's not like he's certainly not as blustery right. as he becomes. He's a bit understated before they go. Well, I would say, I will say that um, when I was reading about the making of the film, the book, What Fresh Lunacy, which is like a, you know, read biography, it, it describes Castaway as, I mean, this is like, you know, pretty on the nose, but an oasis in the middle of a degenerating run of poor films and poor choices. But that's quite true because he was not in a movie, any movie, for three years. He made several movies in 1983. He made Spasms, which I don't think is well-regarded. Uh, he's he's in Two of a Kind with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, I believe he plays the <laughs> devil. And then The Sting the Sting 2, Fanny Hill, and something called A Clash of Loyalties. And his last hit movie was Tommy, which was... 1975 so he'd been really struggling for 10 years and i think he felt like okay you know this is my chance i think he had said uh in an interview at one point you know he was ready to just give up because he wasn't getting offered any roles and i mean you just you know you feel you feel really sorry for him especially when you hear donahoe describe how you know, it was like, oh, he'd be so sweet and charming and sensitive, and then he'd be calling you a bitch. And she actually said, there's an interview with her from, and, and I know Reed had died. I think this was from like maybe 2009, where she says, what could you be if you didn't have this terrible disease? And I that, mean, man, that broke my heart. It's that time period so for him, you know, sad. not only was he coming off of all of those you know, middling movies and not yeah. being a box office draw, but like he, he was a liability. That's the reason he couldn't get big roles in successful of movies course. for the most part. But he, he was in, he was, a, you know, he was in the tabloids all the time. Even during the making of this, he was in the tabloids all the time. You know, it's just he would he, people. I mean, we see this with actors now, right? They're just too much of a pain in the ass, and I think you can even get away with it less these days than you could in the in the nineteen oh, eighties, yeah. even. And but I mean, Definitely. he, I don't think anyone ever doubted his talent. It's just that he was kind of an asshole. And he was yeah. a worse asshole when he was drinking, which was all the time, right? All I think you have in a note that he was told in 87, right? Which is just a few years after this, that he'd be dead in two years if he didn't give up booze. And I mean, he still died young. And, and he was still boozing right up until the point that he died. He was an alcoholic. You know, it it it, it is incredibly sad. But it's also one of the, the tragic ironies of this podcast and almost every word that's been written about Oliver Reed while he was alive and since, that that is one of the things that he also is most, you know, beloved for. The idea that he was a hellraiser and that he lived his life his own way. And this, you know, this kind of character is kind of an interesting insight into him as a person because you, you see so much of him as a person in the character, but what you're left with is, 
you know, maybe audiences in the 1980s were like, oh, this guy is so cool or he's so interesting or whatever. But from the perspective of 2023, he comes off as being really sad and kind of pathetic yeah. sometimes. Oh, totally. I mean, the, 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 the drama uh, didn't even stop with the movie because while he was still on the island, he got into this big drunken brawl with this guy, Reg Prince, who had been kind of like, I mean, he was his friend, his drinking buddy. He was like a bodyguard. He was like a fixer. Um, and they'd, they'd been friends for decades. And, you know, they were drunk. And then Prince went to the tabloids and said that Reed, you know, was a brute and that he beat his wife. Mm. And Reed was like, oh, hell no. And sued him. And I don't know if they, I think they actually went to court and he won the case or they settled or whatever, but they never spoke again. And then he went on a chat show to promote the movie and he was probably drunk, but he was really playing it up. Yeah. And it became this huge, I don't know if it, I wouldn't say it was a scandal, but it was a big deal. And people were just like, oh my God, this, this is so sad. Like, look at this loser. And then, you know, that was it. Like his career just stalled once again. And, oh, it's just, it's so hard to read that kind of stuff. It, it's it's really painful because every time you see him, you're like, oh, so much potential. And then, oh, so much just, you know, patheticness. Yeah. it's a real, There's a real sadness. I mean, there is a sadness in the performance too. I mean, I, I think oh, that definitely. I don't want to discount the idea that this is still an amazing performance when you watch it because it does feel oh, yeah, so real. Oh, yeah, 100%. But it's also, you yeah. know, it's real in a way that you're like, oh, this person is really unpleasant kind of like the person who was playing him and he, mm-hmm. but he's still with moments of this kind of twinkle in his eye and his brightness and intense charisma that makes you want to like him even if yes. he's not giving you much of a reason to like him i mean those moments at the end those are really sweet interesting moments i like the fact that he just that they don't make a big deal of their separation right like that she, she's got she's got her bags packed he's gonna start repairing this stuff and when she leaves he just claps his hands he's like okay let's get started they both have found themselves in this place. He's not going to fall on his knees and beg her to stay. At this point, they they have come to some sort of understanding in a way that, like I said, I was surprised that this movie could have possibly have a somewhat of an optimistic ending because you know twenty minutes before that, it feels like he's still this this brute that would punch her for you know even considering leaving him. I mean, the way that he reacted when those two sailors show up, where he's just such a oh jealous piece of garbage, right? Um, and, you know, yeah. it's. I will say that I one of the reviews I read of this as well says that whenever the movie's not interesting, the visuals are interesting enough to carry it. And I do find that. I mean, it is a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah. But it is, it's a movie that uh, can be a... It's going to rely very heavily on your enjoyment of seeing this woman naked and seeing Oliver Reed be very, very blustery and kind of unpleasant. And if you like those two things, well, I mean, then this movie won't be that big of a, a, <laughs> a challenge for you. But it's uh, it could be a little trying if those two things are not a big appeal to you. I do like Amanda Donahoe a lot. I like She's her great. in... I like her in um, Lair of the White Worm, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's that Ken Russell connection. 100%. Um, but... What I find interesting is that uh, she was, and I mean, I I don't know if you know this, and I have known this for years, but I'm a big fan of Adam Ant, Adam and the Ants, Mm -hmm. and she was his girlfriend when she was still a teenager, and she's in a couple of early Adam Ant videos. 
and she's kind of um it's the she's a very outspoken person and very um you know self-possessed and was never satisfied with letting people define her career or define her sense of self and you know you can see it in any interview that she does that she just does not suffer fools which is really interesting to me i've always really admired her as um sort of a of an actress and just a public person um i don't know if i would say celebrity because i don't know that she's really that well known to anybody now but like i just think it's really interesting to see that she still had that quality even in her acting at you know in her first main sure. film role like it, to me it's fascinating i mean the greatest testament to her as an actress is that a lesser actress would have been just completely dominated by him and all you oh, would totally do watching agree. the movie would, yeah. be, would be feeling sorry for her the whole time but yeah you don't get that because she does have a strength in her and she pushes back and it's believable in the way that she's like i'm i'm doing this not to punish you it's because i don't like you I don't yeah, like you exactly. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's, there, this, this could be such a uh, difficult watch if you had a character that was just cowering and, and unable to show that kind of inner strength. Which, again, I mean, you wouldn't blame the person in that circumstances where you're completely at the mercy of this horrible man. But, I mean, I think she really brings something unique to the role outside of the fact that they wanted someone who looked very attractive naked. I would like to say that uh, their malnutrition... Um, when I was looking up reviews of the book, someone mentioned, <laughs> and it, the way they wrote it was so weird. And then I was, I was thinking this can't be real. But then another person mentioned it in a review. They were apparently so malnourished and dehydrated. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. This is so gross that her rectum <laughs> falling oh, out. No. Oh my god. Well, why didn't they put that in the movie? That is horrible. I was like, that's a thing that can happen? God, I I can't get that out of my mind. Like that. I I was reading earlier today, right? That she she got an IUD before she went to the island. And this is the real person. This doesn't happen in the movie. Or, I mean, at least it's not talked about. And then she ends up, you know, she thinks uh, that she might be pregnant while she's on the island. Oh, well, and they talk about her thinking that she's she, pregnant she in the movie. That, I don't right? know about the IUD, though. And, and then it ends up being that oh the reason God. that she thought that in real life is that the, the IUD caused her an infection, and that's what she was feeling. She was feeling an infection inside of her. Jesus, these the fact that they didn't die on this island is really kind of incredible. That's the real story of this movie. I, really I dumb like fucking God. white people decided that they're going to go to an island and survive. But no, they learned something about themselves. What they learned, they cannot survive on an island. By learning I don't even go to the no beach without a snack. Yeah, no skills. Uh, no skill. I mean, apparently he had skills. I he just didn't want to use them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even go like to the beach without like an emergency granola bar. I'm like, okay, we're gonna be. I'm gonna be away from home for four hours. Okay, where are we gonna eat? Where are we gonna go to the bathroom? Like, this is a thing. I can't imagine going for, to an island for a year and forgetting iodine. Well, at least, she read, at least she read the book on how to fish, right? She was prepared <laughs> to be taught. <laughs> I, 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 I want to know, did those nuns actually show up? Because that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Because they were so funny. And they were like, oh, you know, you guys, you should have you planned better. <laughs> yeah, we're not right? going to judge because we're nuns. 
but you <laughs> kind of fucked up. Like, I mean, that they, was great. Yeah, you're right. That was pretty great. Just the <laughs> idea. It's like, it's whole... like, we live out here, okay? We know what it fucking takes to live. <laughs> and you we're guys, nuns! We, we got, if we did not show up, look at your leg, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I know, it's amazing. Really good. And one of the nuns is uh, Georgina Hale, who was in The Devils, who's actually reed's character in the devils she's kind of his downfall so i think it's pretty <laughs> funny that she's his savior in this movie i mean i i wonder if that was a i mean the devil's reputation has in- increased and improved so much over the past 30 years or so yeah. i wonder if it was intentional or not but certainly those ken russell connections it just feels like it does follow him around a little oh definitely definitely any other thoughts any other comments on the film that we haven't covered I mean, I mean, I don't know if we could top the your rectum falling out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God they didn't show that. Rectum, it nearly killed him. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> they, I, like, this is a hard movie to recommend to a certain extent. I mean, and you can hear yeah. the conflict uh, when we're talking about it to a certain extent. I do think the very fact that it is such a forceful performance by Oliver Reed, and I don't want to discount her performance as well, but his performance in particular, and that it was meant to be his comeback. You know, it was really meant to be, this is him showing what he can do. I Mm. I mean, he wasn't on his best behavior, but I guess he was slightly more restrained when making it in regards to it, even if he was still very, very difficult, as he always is. But like, this was him showing what he could do. And if this movie, if it was a little bit better, and it got a little bit more attention, and if he was able to hold it together a little bit more, I mean, maybe it re- could have put him somewhere where he wouldn't have to take slightly embarrassing roles for the next, you know, 10 years or so before, you know, getting some, some stronger roles right before his death. But it's just, you know, this this feels like a real missed opportunity. And I think mm-hmm. that's what my major takeaway from it is. I don't think it's bad. I think it's a really interesting movie. But a lot of the really interesting things about it are about the, the aspects of the making of it and the mm-hmm. the idea of... Take like casting a person, you know, based on this real life person, and then you know, kind of imbuing that character with elements of that real life person. Uh, sorry, of, with elements of the actor right. playing the person, and then kind of combining them into one. You know, it's it's as much of an examination of Oliver Reed, the actor, as it is this real human being that he's playing. Well said. Are we sure though that it's not the red hair that was the reason that the movie didn't do well. maybe the dye got into his brain and maybe that's <laughs> people are like oh no i can't deal with this guy with red hair just forget it ah red dye happening. number three is destroyed oliver reed's brain that's it'll be in the british tabloids after he made the movie liam thoughts no i've basically said everything i mean i okay, i well i would also not i would also not be sure that i would recommend it i i <sighs> I get why it it's appealing to people. There are lots of things I found fascinating about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I fully enjoyed watching it. Actually, um, uh, I think um, the thing that's hard for me is like I have no problem with a movie that one of the major selling points is just a lot of nudity. Like I guess that's fine, but like I it guess. just wasn't that interesting to me. Like I, mm-hmm. I just. You know, I was I was ready to be like, well, at least, you know, I got this beautiful woman to look at and that'll be fun. But like, <laughs> there's just not a lot here that I loved. And this is not the the kind of Oliver Reed role that I find him the most sort of exciting in, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to go so far as to say that it's bad because I, I don't think it is bad. I just found it 
less engaging than I think some other people find it engaging. And there were certain aspects of it that I found frustrating in a way that was distracting me from fully enjoying the movie. Um, yeah. But I don't know, other than some of the things that we've talked about, which I, I don't think all are major changes. They're just certain things that I would sort of shift. I don't know that there's one huge problem that I'm like, this is why this movie is bad. Yeah. It's like, eh, there's things I would change here and there. But overall, I don't know that a changed movie would have fully pulled me in. So in the end, people love this movie. So if, if this sounds like something you'd be into, especially like the May-September romance aspect of it, then like, cool. I think it does spend a lot of time exploring that. I just don't find that very interesting. And so I ended yeah. up just kind of like hoping something cool would happen. And some cool things do happen, but not enough to make me feel like this yeah. is a great movie to watch. I think Missed Opportunity is the best description yeah uneven you know you just wish it was you wish it were more than it actually is and you can always read the book too or both of the books if you really wanted yeah i really, want, those stories, right? I really want to because i gotta know more about this rectum that yeah, falls yeah, yeah. Out. like i yeah. am fascinated because i want to avoid that i don't yeah. i don't want I that mean, to happen to me I, I i'm not saying i i mean i don't want to <laughs> I haven't read the book, so I don't know. I don't know if the whole movie is about the rectum falling out. I'm sorry, the whole book is about the rectum falling out. I imagine it's just a small part of it, but maybe they have a glossary at the end. <laughs> it's like, where, where is the rectum discussion? I need yeah. to know. Just You're skip to that it. part. Yeah. Oh, come on. When are we going to get to the rectum? It's like, it's like those people who read the mysteries and jump to the end. It's like, oh, here it is. <laughs> the butler's rectum fell out. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the movie we're going to do next time? Please. It's got a direct connection with this movie. Well, it's Michael Winner's The System, um, sometimes referred to as The Girl Getters, which is a really weird name, although I guess descriptive. But this came out in 1964. So this is an early Oliver Reed film. And the cinematographer was Rogue. So there's definitely that connection. And in fact, Rogue was a cinematographer in a lot of well-known films. Um, Roger Corman's The Mask of the Red Death. Yes. he uh, Truffaut's Fahrenheit 451, Schlesinger's Far From the Matting Crowd. So he was pretty well-known as a, as a cinematographer as well as a director. Uh, but the system is black and white. It's read before he got the scars. And it is definitely different than this film because one he's much younger he was sort of at the beginning of his career uh, but also i think because it's just i don't know the, his work with winner is very distinctive i think he got some pretty incredible performances out of him and i know that reed has often said that you know russell was the director who gave him his art but i definitely think that the movies that he did with Winner are significant in terms of the the quality of acting that's on screen. So <laughs> I, I can think of few people who have as controversial a reputation as Oliver Reed, but one of those people is definitely Michael Winner, which I'm sure we're going to yeah. talk about. Yeah. On the next well, episode. I can't wait to find out because I really don't know anything oh, about his controversial. The stories about this guy. I'm excited. I remember- he was on Twitter before he passed away, right? And he was kind of controversial mm. on there as well. And people do, like, they they have kind of, like, charming stories about him. 
but he has so many stories of him being just the biggest asshole in the entire world that I remember Alex Winter, I think, was collecting stories about it. I mean, just a lot, but we'll get into wow. it. There's, there's, oh, there's a lot wait. to say. <laughs> can't wait. Actually, strangely enough, Michael Winter would become one of Canon's favorite directors in the 1980s. So another, you know, there's so many connections. That's what we're really discovering. It's all connected. <laughs> it's, it's all, all connected. connected. That's right. <laughs> Let's do some plugs. What do you have to plug? Oh, I, I, I'll start. I don't, I'm not used to being the first person to do plugs, but <laughs> uh, you can find all the episodes of Further Reading over at cinemasmorgasbord.com, where you can also find podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Carol Kane, Alejandro Jodorowsky, Dick Miller, uh, Paul Bartel, lots of different podcasts over at cinemasmorgasbord.com, but you can always find the latest episode of Further Reading over at cinepunks.com. As of the time you're listening to this, I believe we'll be into October, which means that yes. there's going to be lots of Halloween-y content over... Tell us about the Halloween content. Well, we're still in the process of <laughs> defining <laughs> that. Maybe maybe Liam can put a little more insight into that. But we're also doing a lot of Halloween-themed shows, uh, both on Cinema Smorgasburg and all the other wonderful podcasts available at cinepunks.com. You can find me on Blue Sky for now. Uh, and, of course, you can find Cinema Smorgasburg on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. Liam, what else can people find on Cinepunks? Well, obviously, there's our whole family of podcasts, and uh, a bunch of our podcasts are going to be doing Halloween-themed episodes and hopefully cross-pollinating with some of the other shows. Uh, but we're also going to have a few uh, you know, uh, pieces of writing focused on people's experience with the season, with horror, uh, with uh, just the spooky in general. Um, some of that is going to be short pieces where people talk about horror movies that they think need a second a second assessment. They need a little defense from the public will, uh, but also a series exploring uh, people's first exposure to horror and uh, folks talking about where they first got into it, um, as well as a few other things that uh, we'll, there'll be announcements of. Uh, and me and Doug are looking to do a Twitch uh, screening, assuming our Twitch channel still lives. We're going to be doing a Twitch screening uh, sometime in October. We're, we're working on the details of that. Sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you can find further reading uh, mostly on Instagram, but we also have a TikTok. So that's F-U-R-T-H-E-R-R-E-E-D-I-N-G because it's a pun, get it? And uh, I will be putting up some fun videos. I know I, I said I was going to put up some fun videos last time, and I, I kind of fucked up and didn't do it. But I, I, I really will this time. Because actually, a lot of Oliver Reed movies came out in September. Hmm. I don't Like some of the really important ones. So there's like Women in Love came out in September. And uh, The Crimson Blade came out in September. The Trap. And these are all pretty well known. So um, I'm going to try to come up with some some fun videos uh, to put up on the uh, the Instagram and TikToks, or as my friend Mike calls it, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I have to plug for now. Well, if you, anyone is looking for an Oliver Reed themed movie to watch during the Halloween season, of course, there's a few options that are available. But the one I always go to is 1961's. The Curse of the Werewolf, the Hammer film. Great oh, movie. sure. Yeah. I'm more of a burnt offerings guy. But yes. I oh, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say The Brood is, is, mm -hmm. is a pretty good one. Absolutely. It's a good one. 
Actually, when you now you think about it, I mean, we're of course eventually going to cover all of those movies, but there's a yes, a, a, there's a you know he's had some good luck in the genre filmmaking. But the weird thing about, of course, Curse of the Werewolf is again, it's even earlier than the movie we're going to be talking about in the next episode, all the way back. Yeah, to I think 61. it's sixty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, until next time, uh, we'll see you on the internet. <laughs>